0: Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is always a pleasure to have you on the program, His Word, where we look into the Word of God and hear what God is saying to us. Today we are looking into the book of Amos, chapter 5, actually. We are looking into the reasons why God would not accept offering and sacrifices by Israel. Why did He refuse that? And actually, He was not pleased with their music and whatever they were doing in terms of instrument, giving Him praise, but He was rejecting that. Why will make God today not to accept our offerings, our sacrifices, our worship? Sit down and listen to the Word and hear what God is saying to you. Be blessed. Today's title is "Your Worship or when Your Worship and Offerings are rejected by God." We'll read the Bible in the book of Amos chapter 5 from verse 18 to verse 25, and I will read. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assembles are as niche to me. Even though you bring me burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let, your, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Christianity is holistic. It is not only a spiritual journey, but it is also a practical journey or a physical journey that people need to see and you have to leave it you will live in a society where there are different people with different characters and we have to relate with them and they have to see whatever we are doing that it reflects the life of god or the life of christ in ourselves but most of the times we just deceive ourselves and take at it as if it's just a spiritual journey there is nothing that needs to be seen in the physical. Even if we can have that at the back of our mind, we don't really necessarily put it into practice that much. Now, how we treat other people actually matters to God. He's so much concerned on how we Christians who say we represent Him on this earth, treat other people. Church is successful today. People are successful today. People build big houses, churches are so beautiful. There are many things that are done today that are so good and that are so beautiful. Well-structured music in church, well-structured programs, everything is good. We are doing many things that we believe give glory to the Lord God Almighty, that we think they bring us closer to God. We worship God. We sing everything that we do in church. We do it to the Lord. We bring even our offerings and our tithes to the Lord. We sing hymns, giving Him all the glory. But is the Lord happy with what we are doing? What if our tithes and offerings are not accepted by the Lord? What if our offering is not accepted by the Lord? What if our music that we've actually worked so hard to write, to rehearse, to actually score and to do everything is actually not accepted by the Lord. Sometimes we even cry as we sing and as we pray, but it is not accepted by the Lord. I want to take you back to the scripture that we've just read. The book of Amos was written by Amos, actually who was a farmer before he became a prophet of God. This is a minor prophet. He was just a farmer who had been there and he was in the time when Uzziah was king in the land of, uh, uh, of Judah. So everything was good. The kingdom was doing well under Uzziah. They were actually uh, prospering. There was stability in peace. Business was booming. They were getting land. There was no fight. There were no fights with the Philistines. Everything was good. They were, everything was good and all was booming. But underneath that, God was not happy. Regardless of what was seen, the success, God was not happy with what was happening underneath. He saw things that were there. So the farmer who is Amos was called by the Lord to be a prophet and to speak to Israel to correct these things. There are many things that the Lord raises such that Amos sensitizes Israel about so they can be in the right standing with him. So as we do all things in our Christian walk, the beautiful church buildings, the beautiful services that we have, even as individuals, the beautiful houses that we have, the beautiful things that we have, God is concerned how we deal with the people that we are. We meet each and every day, some will engage in our business. I will start with this. God talks about injustice. There's quite a lot, if you read the whole book of Amos, he's talking about injustice, the first thing that he talks about. He says there is no more justice. Now, what is justice? Justice is defined as the central part of ethics. Central part of ethics. So, it is the making of moral decisions where the actions taken treat all people equally. So, there is no one who is taken for granted or someone who is of more value to the other. All judgment is based on what is right and actually somebody gets what he or she deserves. So he says, God is saying, there is no justice. There is no justice. There is partiality. Now let us consider the things that were happening in Israel. If you read Amos 4 verse 1 it says, hear this this word, you, in brackets, well-fed, pampered cows, a woman, of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to their husbands, Bring in the wine in brackets now and let us drink. Now, the person who is here who's saying this thing is a farmer and almost understand it better and understand it better. I remember quite well when I was a young boy, there were cows. I would look after cattle at home. I understand a little bit of the behavior of cows. When there is a garden and maybe it's winter, and there is a garden that's very, very green, and uh, maybe it's fenced, and the cows really want to get what is green inside there. They will kind of like graze next to the to the fence and then look for a weaker. Uh, A calf or cow that they can just uh, uh, crash against the wall, against the fence until the fence falls and then they can uh, get inside. Now, Amos is bringing that image. As a farmer, he understands what he means. He's talking about the cows of Bashan. These were cows that were so huge, were so large, and they were very strong. Now, he's referring to them as cows of Bashan. And now he also says the mountains of Samaria had, he's talking about the mountains of Samaria. Mountains of Samaria had extraordinary grass, fat pastures. So these strong cows, they eat on the fat pastures, extraordinary fat pastures, so they become actually even stronger and even more big and huge. So they are so strong. Now, he's referring to them. They are the cows of Bashan. Those strong cows that are there that can actually push the weak ones. The weak ones are the poor. And these are the cows are the rich. They actually suppress the poor to get what they want. That's what the Lord is saying. Now, they actually, Amos 2 verse 7, they trample on the heads of the poor. As on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my name. There are people on this earth that can tremble on the head of anyone to get what they want. So it was happening in Israel and Amos was talking on these things. He was not happy. I mean, God was not happy with what was happening because the poor were suppressed. We are living in a society where judgment is based on what you have or on your level of education or on your position at work. I want to bring it closer to church. I want to bring a practical example where this is actually evident, where there is partiality, where there is a case that needs to be judged in the church. Say someone, one of the leaders of the church, maybe the chairman or the elder or the pastor, they are leading the church and they fall into sin. While we understand the church to be a place where people are mended and they reconcile with the Lord, people who are in the forefront actually have a special uh, way of discipline uh Paul talks about this, about this, that the elders, when they are doing something that is wrong, they need re- to be rebuked in public such that it cannot spread. It's a very, very hard way to rebuke. So it's actually emphasizing the importance and the significance of an elder that you have to be cautious of what you do. So people who are in leadership, most of the times, maybe it's a, it's a very important man in the society, maybe a CEO of an organization and he's leading the church. Now, when the decision has to be made on how do we discipline this man, they say, no, we will wait for the evidence. Even if maybe the social area, social media or the, the work or whatever the auditors have the, the the evidence, you find that it won't be accepted. They will say, no, let's wait. And maybe nothing is done. The other side is of a young person who has committed sin. Maybe he's found drunk, drunk. A young person who is in the church, maybe he's also in the praise team or playing instruments. I don't want to second what they're doing, it's bad. But I want to give the illustration of partiality in judgment. You find that this young person is called to order, actually even maybe rebuked in church or actually even suspended. That's discipline. Now, God is talking about partiality. The example of the elder I gave and this young man. The elder or the, the leader who has been there was actually given judgment what was not fair. They looked at what he has and what he contributes to the, to the church or whatever in society. So these are the things God is talking about They were happening is, is in Israel. There was unfair judgment between the people. There was injustice. Now, verse 12, it says, For I know how many are your offenses and how great are your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in courts. Things, like I said earlier, Israel was successful; the country was successful. There was injustice, as, as I've said, and now there's also the abuse of those who are poor, where the rich they take bribes, maybe to 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 to. to to bribe the, the judge in courts, such that the case cannot get uh, get into, into court or maybe there's unfair judgment, just judgment against the poor. God sees all these things that happen to the poor and he is not happy. He's calling for Israel to change. He says in verse 15, I hate evil love. is telling Israel that hate evil love good, maintain justice in the courts. Let there be justice. That's what God is calling to Israel. Let there be fairness in judgment. Let things be done equally. The temptation that we see today in the church is where people are ranked based on what they have, there is partiality in the church and the church is going nowhere, and God hates that. Those are some of the things that will make our worship and our offering not acceptable to the Lord God. How do you treat people? How do you view your congregation? There are those that a pastor or a leader of the church will visit. There are those when they are sick, not that the others are not uh, committed to the work of the Lord, but it's because they are nobody. And God hates partiality in His kingdom. Let's do away with partiality, and let's do away with injustice. If you read Amos five verse eleven, God further talks about this abuse that is happening in Israel. Why they'll succeed? Therefore, he says, verse eleven. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor, on the poor, and demand a tribute which is full tax of grain from them. Though you have built Lazarus' houses of square stones you will not live in them. The money collected is used to build mansion. What is this all saying? Now, there are levies or taxes that are put or uh, that are levied on the poor in Israel. This is what was happening. The poor had to pay taxes for the little that they had and give to the rich so the rich could build whatever they want to build. God saw that But I want to bring it closer now to the Christian family. First, I will talk about the church. Whilst I don't dispute that we need money in the church, we do many, many things to raise money. But I want to highlight things that God is not happy about. These are taxes that are levied on the poor. You see, one of the basic principles in God collecting money in the church or the income to the church or ways of money coming into church is that people have to give from a willing heart that's the basic one whatever we can say even tithing has to come from a willing heart even free will offering has to come from a willing heart and it has to be done cheerfully as the bible says in second corinthians chapter 9 it has to be done Cheerfully. That's the bottom line of offering. Anything that is done outside that is not acceptable to God. Now, there are a lot of things that happen in our churches. One of them is membership. You have to subscribe to be a member. I know there are reasons for that, but that's tax to the poor because those who cannot afford to pay for the money or for whatever that is called membership, they will always be left outside. Church has been so, or let me not say church, Christian events have been so much commercialized such that the poor will actually not benefit from whatever is happening in church, in the, in, the, in the Christendom. You talk of couples, you have to pay maybe 500 to be part of that dinner. It's a good thing, but how about the poor? Everybody wants to raise money. I raise a festival. People have to pay to come in. I make people vote to be members of whatever is there. It's not wrong but God is against taxes that are levied on the poor. Even if you do it, understand there are laws that cannot afford because God is concerned about this. So we put a lot of things, we tend to be focused on those who can afford and some people leave the church in the process of feeling guilty that they cannot afford to pay the monies that are demanded in the church, and they leave the church. So God is talking about heavy, heavy, heavy taxes levied on the poor. Let's be sensitive as the kingdom of God, or as the church, that there are people who are poor that need care. They have come to the church to hear what God is saying, to be uplifted and to be made or to be built in the inward man, but they find that what is there is something else. There's injustice. There is, there is so much to pay for, such that some of them they quit. So let's be sensitive as the kingdom of, or or as the Christians. Now, the other thing that God is talking about that is happening in Israel, he's talking about the lack of righteousness. Now, in the Old Testament time, when you're referring to righteousness, those were people who would keep the laws of Moses. They would do what the Lord says in in in, in uh, in the law of Moses. But if you read Amos chapter two, verse 12, he says, "But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy." Now we know the law of the Nazareth was that they were not supposed to drink wine. They would make a vow never to drink wine. But these people, what was happening, they would force the Nazareth to do something that was against God. What does it mean to us? There are people that will force there are people that will force others to derail from God's work. When we talk about the New Testament times, righteousness, we get righteous when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? We have been justified through his blood. We have been made justified, we've made righteous through the blood of the Lamb. Now that we are righteous through the blood of the Lamb, we have to listen to what the Holy Spirit says to us. But what happens in this situation, these people that are leaders or that are like the cows that are strong, they are able to tell people to commit to sin. Like in the case of the Nazarite, they tell the Nazarite to commit to drink wine. These people, if I can give an example, there are some churches that have accepted homosexuality. They've said there's nothing wrong as long as there is love. There are some habits that have been done that are actually against the word of God. And because they are said by the person whom we regard as our leader, they normally use the term spiritual father or they say someone who is a pastor. And they derail people from the love of Christ. But there are also Christians, general Christians, that will justify evil ways. The common one is that you cannot get married with someone you have never uh, had a relationship with or had a sexual relation with. How will you know? That's what the people say. Some even Christians justify that. God says these people, he's not happy with what they do. It's what they do that makes God not to accept our offering. So what we find here is that these people, they went to God and brought their offering. And the Lord said, no, I won't accept you. Now, the further this verse says, they say, they tell or they commanded the prophets since say, do not uh, prophesy. These are situations where the rich will tell uh, whoever maybe is a pastor that don't preach like this or whoever is is leading the church or whoever is living a Christian life is that never say this, never condemn this. I think you have heard it where pastors have been told never to talk on this subject again. Not that the subject, they are, they are using it in a wrong way, but it's only that the reach or the strong cows, they feel this is not what we want to hear. The Bible talks about this in the second book of Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. These people, they are able to manipulate things such that they end up getting what they want. And God is not happy about that. Now, God's position on this thing is does not accept they are religious festivals. Where we read in the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 18, he says, I hate, I despite your religious, I despise, sorry, I despise your religious festivals, your assembled. In other words, whenever they gather, maybe they are in church or whatever they are doing, God is not happy. Because there is this injustice. There is this all these evil things and the suppression of the poor where they are made further to be to, to suffer in their life. God is concerned about the poor in society. Never make that mistake. He they are his people. They are in his heart and he's concerned about their lives. So he said, He does not accept their festivals. He no longer accepts their gatherings. Whatever they do, it must be. It might be a convention, one of the biggest convention they've organized. God is not there; he's not happy. They will bring their tithes and their offering. The Bible talks about their offering that they will bring. God does not accept their offering. They will bring their sacrifices, which was. It's talking about the three offerings that Israel will bring unto the Lord, which is the offerings of the fellowship offering, the grain offering, the burnt offering. God will not accept all those offerings. Offering of atonement. The Lord will not accept all those offerings. Why? Because of the debt that is in Israel. I know today you can claim we are no longer Israel, but the Lord does not accept our worship. And our tithes and offering, because of the evil that is there, the partiality in the king in the church, or in the way we do things. I don't want to only focus in the church, but when I talk of the church, I also talk. Other than talking of the building or the gathering of people, I also talk about the body of Christ, where there is partiality, where some people who commit sins they will be accepted, but some who commit the very same sin, they are not accepted. Why? Because of what they have. The Lord wants people to take everybody equal. It's a challenge that we face today in the church. We have to have a level of justice. We have, justice has to exist. They bring their offering. I know the talking is that bring their tithe and offering such that the Lord can actually bless you more. Why is the malachi says that? The question is, how is your relationship with the Lord first? How is your relationship with the people in society? Do you practice justice? Is there integrity in whatever you do? Because justice is close to integrity. You do things fairly. God wants us to do things in a fair way that shows his goodness. Now, in verse 22, God says he will not accept whatever they bring, and has no regard of it. Actually, he's saying even their music is noise to him. He hates their music, their worship, whatever they bring to God in terms of singing. He hates it. He even hates the instrument, the, the arrangement, are playing of the harps. He does not like it. Why? Because they are oppressing the poor. The poor are on the heart of God. Uh, Amos 514 now God is uh, calling this seek good not evil that you may live. then the Lord the God Almighty will be with you just as you say he is hate evil love good maintain justice he's calling for righteousness let it be found in our courts perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph It is only when justice and righteousness is found where the Lord will be part of whatever we are doing. Let there be righteousness. Let there be integrity in whatever we do. Let there be trueness in treating people regardless of the level of life they are in. As we come to a close today, as a church, we are so successful. Everything is good. Beautiful buildings. Beautiful praise team, beautiful uh, pastor, beautiful whatever, everything is okay. But what is underneath? God, is God pleased the way we treat each other? Is there justice? Is there fairness? Do we glorify God in the way we collect the money? Do we do it fairly? Because actually God is not broke. He has everything. But he just wants people to bring money that is clean to his house. To us Christians, as we walk with God, are we living a life that fears God? How do we treat our employees? How do we treat our maids? How do we treat that that person we stay in in our house? How do we treat whomever is there? How do we treat people? I know it is natural to us to recognize some other people as more, more important than the other, and maybe we attempted to make uh, inju- to do injustice. God is calling for justice. Let's try to treat every, each and every person equally. It's a difficult thing, but what God has called us to. We cannot say no to this one, and then the very same other person, when it comes with the same request, we say yes. God is not happy with that. We have to maintain righteousness. Let's not step on the pe- step on people's head to get what we want. Let us respect people. This is a character of God. God wants fairness and justice. It's a character of God. It's a complicated word that I, de- I deliver today. But that is what God wants from us who say we are Christians. This maybe does not apply, may, may of of less importance to someone who's not a Christian, but to a Christian that what God wants. No bulldozing, no injustice, no unrighteousness. Treat ev- everyone without partiality, with equal status. And make sure you don't levy taxes. Take advantage of the poor of the poor in the way we run the church, in the way we run our businesses, in the way we deal with things that not take advantage of any poor person. Well, that's the end of our program today. I believe the Lord has ministered to you through his word. Now you know the things or the practices that we do that actually can bring a gap between us and God or what we give to God, our tithes and offering and even our praises, our worship and our prayers maybe may not be accepted to the Lord. Take your time to reflect on your life and correct those things because God wants justice and righteousness. God willing, let's meet next time. And goodbye.